Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Since the 1970s, efforts to deinstitutionalize mental health care across the country led to the closure of many state psychiatric hospitals, but not all. Coming up, we'll hear from a national advocacy group about why it sees community-based care as a better option than state institutions. That's later. Now today, where we live, we're focusing on the care of people with mental health disorders living in institutions after an abuse scandal at Connecticut Psychiatric Hospital. Hartford Current reporter Josh Kovner has reported on the investigation of the state's maximum security forensic unit, known as Whiting, at Connecticut Valley Hospital in Middletown. Now, many of Whiting's patients have committed crimes and are either being evaluated on whether they can stand trial or acquitted for reasons of insanity. A whistleblower complaint eventually led to federal and state investigations into the weeks-long abuse of one patient. To date, 31 state employees have been suspended, nine have been arrested and charged with cruelty. Now, Josh Kovner will join us later to talk more about this case and another troubling story of a woman who's been institutionalized for most of the past 33 years. A member of her family will also join us. First, the abuse scandal at Whiting Forensic Institute. How did this alleged abuse happen by not one, but at least nine CVH employees tasked with the job of caring for patients committed to state psychiatric care? You can join the conversation this hour, 860-275-7266. Email where we live at WMPR.org. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Now, the state agency in charge of this facility is the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services, known as DEMAS. Dr. Miriam Delphin-Rittman is DEMAS's commissioner, and she's in studio now. Commissioner Delphin-Rittman, thanks for coming in today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Most of us have seen the headlines. It's a very disturbing story. My first question is just how did this happen? You know, Lucy, that, that's a question that we are exploring and really looking at as well. Um, you know, this is disturbing. Um, I viewed the footage myself, and I was horrified when I saw the footage, really angry, you know, because I I know that this is not who we are. Uh, You know, this is not uh, representative of the care we provide or our values. Um, So it's a question that we're really looking at, and it's important for us to better understand that. So that's definitely part of our investigation. You mentioned you watched the footage. I think that's what's really, uh, there's lots of things troubling about this, but the fact that you had um, several um, state employees, again, they've been charged with cruelty and uh, because they abused a certain patient at CVH, or CVH's Whiting Division, uh, not just occasionally, but over weeks, and that there was video of this. They were doing this with video surveillance, this culture of impunity that seemed to exist. I mean, how do you, how do you, what is your reaction? How do you address that? You know, I mean, again, it's something that I'm just horrified about, you know, the knowing that uh, individuals or this individual in our care endured this treatment, uh, something that is, is, is really shocking and upsetting. Uh, and so since I became aware of it, have taken immediate actions and steps in terms of notifying the state police and asking them to take the lead in the investigation, also notifying Department of Public Health and, and um, asking them to investigate as well. Uh, and also putting the individuals on administrative leave, including the director of Whiting. So the director of the Whiting Forensic Division has been put on administrative leave, along with one other 
high-level administrator. When you say put on administrative leave, so they're not working, but they're still getting paid? Uh, yes. Um, I mentioned that people uh, who have seen the headlines, read the story, it's very troubling. Uh, for those uh, who haven't, can you tell us what happened? So, you know, again, because it's an ongoing investigation, I'm, I'm limited with what I am able to say. Um, what I can say is that, uh, you know, when I was made aware of the abuse, uh, again, I immediately called the state police and asked them to lead the investigation uh, and also asked DPH to investigate. Um, and since I've been aware of it, we've met daily to come up with strategies and procedures that we can put in place to prevent this from ever happening again. Uh, when you mentioned when you found out, um, what is the timeline? So how soon after um, there was this whistleblower complaint did the state act? You know, we acted immediately. We acted immediately um, because, again, the footage was very, it was, it was upsetting. It was disturbing. Um, I was so angry when I saw it because I know this is not what we've worked towards as a system. Um, so we acted immediately and brought in the state police, um, also brought in the Department of Public Health. Um, our Demas Police Department has been actively involved in the process. We've been in actively involved in the investigations um, throughout the process. Uh, again, Hartford Current reporter Josh Kovner uh, has been reporting extensively on this uh, for several months, and I, I understand that because of the investigations continuing, the commissioner of Demas, uh, Miriam uh, Delphin uh, Rittman, uh, cannot give us details, but I will quote from some of Josh Kovner's stories. The report uh, indicates uh, looking at this video surveillance, again, of Whiting uh, Forensics uh, Division within CVH. Uh, you see there were treatment workers, some nurses arbitrarily going into this specific patient's room, kicking him, throwing food and liquids on him, pulling the sheet over his head, then walking out of the room, returning later to repeat those same actions. The report describes the patient being flipped off his bed onto the floor in the middle of the night, cowering in a darkened corner of the room. At one point, an incontinence and diaper placed on his head. The video captures staff members taunting and bullying the patient and occasionally striking him, the report states. How long has there been video surveillance, surveillance of whiting? And who is responsible for watching these videos? Yeah. You know, it's a good question. And, and it's a question that, that really, in many ways, you know, video cameras in hospitals is something that not only Connecticut that we're grappling with, but really the whole country. Um, you know, many of the individuals in whiting um, will we'll be there for the rest of their lives. Um, so even when we put the cameras in, uh, you know, a question is often balancing um, security and safety versus individual privacy and, you know, creating spaces where people can live with dignity and respect. Um, and so, you know, we put the cameras in, and the, the purpose of the cameras when we put them in was really to be able to have them in place to review them if a report was made so that we would know whether to do a, a broader ongoing investigation. Mm -hmm. um, so they weren't really initially put in place for, you know, security, ongoing sort of security measures. Since then, though, you know, since we've been, I've been made aware of this abuse, um, we've increased, I've increased the video surveillance cameras throughout Whiting, um, throughout Whiting and also throughout campus, uh, and also have contracted with an outside security group to review the footage, both live uh, and then we'll be doing retrospective reviews of the footage. Um, and, and if I can add one more thing, you know, the, 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 the cameras, you know, it's an opportunity for teaching as well. You know, so we want to, to use them not just for punitive, but also to, to let the staff know about good things that we're do they're doing. Um, and already, you know, we see and, and, and 
have seen really good work the staff are doing. Um, and so that's an important piece that, you know, this behavior is not characteristic of the overall care that's provided at Whiting or elsewhere in our system. We mentioned again that uh, nine workers within Whiting were arrested, charged with cruelty, but it's not just the nine. Uh, the report indicates that up to 48 people within the division that work in this division knew about this abuse of this one patient for weeks on end and nothing happened. They didn't report it. Aren't they mandated reporters? What is the process and why wasn't it followed? You know, it's, it's a good question. And again, that's something that we're looking at as part of our investigation. It should have been reported. It should have been reported. Every instance should be reported. And our staff are trained on that. You know, they are trained that if they see something, they, they have to report what they see. Um, and so that's something that we've been re-reviewing with staff and actually with clients um, to let our clients know that, you know, if, if something happens, you know, these are the procedures, these are the mechanisms um, to report. And we've also increased the office hours for our client rights advocates so that our clients know where to go if they experience something that is abuse or neglect. Mm. But some of these people within Whiting, they have such serious mental health uh, disorders. How would they know or be able, capable of asking for help? Yeah, you're right. You're right. And so, you know, we, we have that in place just as, as mm. one layer. But really, it's on it's on us. It's on the staff to treat people uh, with dignity, with with respect, uh, with rec- with recovery principles at the forefront, uh, and so that's really what we're we're working with staff on now. Um, but then also, you know, the cameras are another layer. Uh, the cameras are another layer to be able to ob- observe uh, the setting on an ongoing basis, not only at Whiting, but at other places around campus as well. This is where we live. You're hearing uh, Commissioner Dr. Miriam Delphin Rittman. Uh, she leads the Connecticut Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services. Uh, Demas is responsible uh, for Connecticut Valley Hospital within that psychiatric hospital, the state's only psychiatric hospital. There is a forensic division for uh, certain individuals who've either uh, committed violent crimes and are uh, committed to this unit or they are uh, deemed uh, criminally insane and they haven't been they've been acquitted of the crime but they need mm-hmm. support and treatment and so I'm curious how many people we, we talked about that there are up to 48 people that knew this or saw it and didn't report it uh, who work there but tell us again what it's like to work on uh, this unit how many people do you have uh, working with this particular population and you know with all these people put on leave, is there an over-reliance on overtime? That has been an issue that the auditors, regulators have also raised within Whiting. Yeah. Yeah. So there are, so the Whiting Forensic Division or, or Whiting Max uh, is a 91 bed facility um, and we have 200 staff that work there. Um, so it's, there's a number of staff and, and uh, about a 91 bed facility. Um, and so that's the the size of the of the facility. Now, what was the second part the, of your the question? The overtime. So there were yeah, some overtime. of the individuals who've been charged, again, yeah. with cruelty. Uh, some of them have really racked up OT. And I guess that that also raises concerns of you have a, a population with serious uh, mental health uh, mm-hmm. uh, disorders, and that's a very stressful situation. And then yeah. you have workers who are working. How many shifts? Are they sleep deprived? Does that impact their judgment? I mean, how are you addressing that? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's something that we look at on an ongoing basis, really. Um, so because it's a 24-hour facility, we do have to staff at appropriate levels. You know, we have to have certain numbers of staffing to be able to appropriately and safely um, run the unit. 
Uh, and and staffing is sometimes a challenge, you know, especially with the, the current, uh, you know, fiscal, uh, you know, where we are fiscally with the state. We have seen a number of individuals retire, um, and also we've lost individuals to attrition. Um, but we are, we're constantly hiring uh, and training people to be able to work on the units. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but sometimes there are gaps, and when there are, we don't like to do it. I mean, it's, it's often as an absolute last resort, uh, but sometimes we do have to ask staff to work overtime. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really is our our last resort. We, resort. we would rather not do that. Um, but in some instances, we have to just to be able to have the appropriate number of staff on the units to work with the individuals that are there. You mentioned that the staff are trained. What are their qualifications to work, again, with individuals with uh, serious mental health disorders? Yeah. You know, we have a range of different staff that work at Whiting. So we have um, psychiatrists. Um, we have nurses. We have social workers. We have forensic treatment specialists. Uh, It really is an interdisciplinary uh, team and an interdisciplinary approach. Uh, And so there are a range of different um, positions and and educational backgrounds of of the staff that work there. You can join the conversation, 860-275-7266. Again, Demas Commissioner Dr. Miriam Delphin-Rittman in studio with us uh, talking about this abuse scandal at Whiting Forensics Forensic Institute within CVH in Middletown. Uh, Robert's calling from Hartford. Robert, you're on the show. Hi. Uh, I'm calling in regard to the statement as to the cameras. The cameras were put in in 2007 uh, by order of the Department of Justice following their investigation and report on abuses that CVH generated, and especially at Whiting. Um, And they were not turned on until the Medicaid people in Boston threatened to decertify the hospital unless they turned them on and did other things as well. Um, I'm an attorney. I've been representing equities at CVH, and I was representing equities at the time, and that was reported to me by clients and other equities. Um, this is a repeat of what had been going on then. Um, it's a fair question to ask why the videos were not being monitored, but if you have a situation where they won't even turn them on, until the hospital is being threatened with decertification, that speaks to a very disturbing underlying attitude. Thank you, Robert, uh, for your your comment, Commissioner uh, Delphin Rittman. You want to respond? Yeah, I mean, I it you know, 2007. My understanding is that the cameras were on, and um, but again, I mean, that's something I would have to look into. I wasn't there in 2007, um, but but the cameras were put there for a very specific reason. You know, to to be able to monitor to see if a situation occurred that required an ongoing investigation. And, and those are the instances in which we reviewed it. Um, now it's, it's different. The, there are cameras all over, you know, Whiting as well as the rest of the campus, and they're being reviewed uh, around the clock as well as retrospectively. Um, but initially that wasn't the purpose of the cameras. They weren't put in to be reviewed around the clock. Again, because it, it is a hospital, but but we realize now that we do we need them around the clock and uh, and we're, we're monitoring them around the clock. Um, but do it doesn't take the place yeah. though. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take the place of um, providing quality care, of reporting if staff see something, uh, and and really of this not happening at all. Mm-hmm. If I can say it, it's just not happening at all because it's not what our treatment is about. Do you view that as a mistake that uh, Demas uh, workers? And I'm sorry, the CVH workers were not viewing these videos regularly. 
You know, again, it, it, I think it's something that, um, that we've grappled with, but that hospitals across the country have got grappled with. Um, these are hospitals. They're treatment facilities. Um, it, it's not a prison. And so it, it hasn't been our practice to have cameras that are monitored around the clock, as is the case in a prison, because it's a hospital. So if you're not watching, how, what, it, what kind of oversight uh, over the workers who are supposed to be treating uh, these patients humanely? Yeah. Who's who's responsible? Yeah. It's a good question. You know, I mean, we have there are uh, managers and supervisors on site. And, and so, again, as part of our investigation, this is something that 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 um, that we're looking at. It's an important question. What happened? How did we get here? And so we're, we're looking at all of that. And as part of this investigation, two pretty high level managers have been put out on administrative leave. So the director of Whiting, the individual in charge of overseeing the hospital, um, as well as the individual in charge of overseeing nursing and, and other staff, mm-hmm. both of those individuals who really were the um, individuals uh, on site in charge of running the hospital, running Whiting, again, because Whiting is one division within the overall CVH campus. So the individuals in charge of running Whiting, um, those individuals have been put on administrative leave. And we're exploring this question, a question about how we got here. Do you anticipate uh, more workers within Whiting will be charged with abuse of this one patient? You know, again, that's part of the ongoing investigation, and I, I, so I can't comment directly on that. What I can say is that the investigation is open. You know, it's open, and we're also doing an HR investigation. So uh, my hope is that, no, that there are no other individuals. But I can't say that for sure because, again, it's an open investigation and and that being the case, you know, there could be other individuals. And they're also, I mean, people, when they hear about this one particular patient, again, who was treated this way, are you concerned this has happened to other patients? You know, again, it's something that we're, that we're exploring as part of the various investigations that are going on. Uh, and so we have put steps in place to ensure that this never happens again. So our increased video cameras, increased managerial presence across Whiting as well as other sites, uh, increased staff training, increased office hours for client rights advocates. Uh, so there's a number of, of, um, of strategies and approaches that have been put in place to ensure that this doesn't happen again. Um, if the charges are substantiated in court, they're found guilty, or if they plead guilty, do you think these workers should be fired? If they are found guilty or plead guilty, then then that is likely the course that will then that will happen. Um, coming up, we're going to hear from State Senator uh, Heather Summers, who is also the co-chair of the Public Health Committee. You know, she, along with many others, have raised concern about the lack of leadership within Demas and within Whiting that this would happen. Um, is this something that you feel like you should lose your job over as commissioner of the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services? You know, I mean, what what I can say is that we're, from the moment that I became aware of this, um, we have been actively um, engaged in addressing this and turning this around um, from notifying the state police, Department of Public Health, and putting practices and procedures in place to ensure that this never happens again. Um, and so I take that seriously. As commissioner, that's something that I take seriously because I know um, that this is not characteristic of our service system as a whole or the care that we provide. Um, so from where I'm sitting now, um, my, my focus really is on uh, continuing to provide quality care, um, continuing to strengthen the whiting system in terms of the surveillance and other strategies we can put in place, um, working with the existing staff, 
so that, that they have what they need uh, to, to provide strong care. And that's really where I'm focused at this point. You don't sound really angry. Mm. When you first heard this, tell me again what your reaction was. Again, I was, I was angry. I really was. I was horrified that, that this went on um, because I know that this is not that this is not who we are. You know, I, v- I viewed the tape. I viewed the, def- the footage. And it was it was disturbing. Mm. It was disturbing. Um, and it's upsetting because I know that that, you know, an individual entrusted in our care um, was mistreated. So as as commissioner, it's it's that's upsetting to know that that happened. Um, so I am angry. Um, you know, I, I hear you say that you don't hear it in my voice, and and um, trust me when I tell you this is this has been challenging for us, um, and this is something that that we know is not characteristic of the care we provide, um, but yet it's a it's a significant issue for us right now. Um, so it, it does anger me, and I, and I was horrified. I, I viewed the tapes; they were difficult to watch, uh, and that's really what charges me now in terms of turning this around. And again, you have said that this is not indicative of the care that uh, many workers within CVH, again, we're talking specifically about whiting, but I, I can't get past the fact that there's up to 48 people that worked within that unit that knew this abuse was going on and no one said anything. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot. You know, it's, a, it's something that I'm, uh, you know, asking myself, how did we get here? How did, how did this happen? Um, and that's part of our investigation, really sort of digging down and getting into that. How did we get here? Um, you know, including conversations with, with staff, with some of the current staff um, to, to better understand, uh, you know, how we got to this moment. Miriam Delphin Ripman, again, Commissioner of the State Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services. Thank you for coming in. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on the show. Coming up, the abuse scandal at Connecticut Psychiatric Hospital has uncovered other concerns, including overtime. Some of the employees with high accruals of OT are the same ones charged with cruelty. State Senator Heather Summers and Hartford Current reporter Josh Kovner are going to join us after the break. You can also join the conversation, 860-275-7266. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. We just heard from Miriam Delphin Ripman, the commissioner of the Connecticut Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services, or DEMAS, responding to an abuse scandal at the psychiatric hospital that it manages. Hartford Current reporter Josh Kovner has reported on the investigation. So far, nine state employees have been arrested and charged with cruelty, and all 31 state workers have been suspended after state and federal officials started investigating. Uh, Josh Kovner joins us now in studio. Thanks for coming in today. Anytime. I wanted your response to uh, what the commissioner said about uh, some of the actions they've taken after this uh, investigation started. But again, the really the hard thing for people to wrap their minds around that this even happened within a facility that's supposed to be treating uh, people with severe mental health disorders, Josh. Yeah. uh, You don't have to look at it very long and hard to uh, to understand that the head forensic nurse is the one that had the most cruelty charges, and then it followed from there. So if if there's a supervisor who's um, kind of making 
up the rules as they go along, that's going to that's gonna spread. And it just seems like they courted trouble. They looked for trouble. You could have stayed away from this guy. He's in his 60s. He's physically compromised. He's mentally compromised. He used to be more difficult than he is now. And you could uh, disengage. And I think they would have they would have just lived uh, to see another day. Tell us about, we know that we're not obviously not going to disclose the name of this particular patient at Whiting, um, but the one in question that was abused over weeks. When, we, when I say that, tell us about this period and how is he doing? Well, his uh, conservator, Karen Cangas, got him in, helped to get him into another unit. They made it into a suite. He's got a TV. He's got furniture. They um, have changed their attitude toward him, but it took as uh, India is the star conservator of that place, and it takes people like her to uh, bring attention to the deficits that, that sometimes go on in public care. And you're referencing another guest who's going to join. We're going to talk with her in just a few minutes, India Mills. She's a conservator and cousin of a woman who's actually been in Whiting. I don't think she is there right now, but for many years uh, institutionalized at Whiting. But if we could talk specifically, Josh, again, I read a little bit of your reporting from this report from DPH and uh, federal Medicaid regulators about what happened to this individual. Uh, and again, tell us how how long did it happen for? Well, months. Uh weeks adding up to months, um, ebbs and flows, peaks and valleys. I think the state police had to look hard at the video to ascribe criminal conduct to each of the actors. One guy gets eight counts, guy gets six, guy gets three. You got to document each. He went into the room, he put the sheet over, he poured water. Now, what what is that? When you start talking about pulling a sheet over somebody's head and pouring water, you're not too far from waterboarding, uh, the the diaper on the head. They, so all this was observed. All of the conduct was abscri- ascribed to to individuals, and they made a case. It went on for several months, uh, and uh, across shifts, uh, day night, um, people with different roles, different relationships with the patient. He was on two on one. Uh, monitoring two staff to 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 him, and uh, you know that cuts both ways. Um, if you got two people who have his best interests in mind, then it's good. If you got two people who are just looking to put their feet up on the bed, kick back, uh, and and hassle him when when it's convenient, then it's bad. You know? Uh, joining the conversation now is State Senator Heather Summers. Uh, she's a Republican co-chair of the Public Health Committee within the Connecticut General Assembly. Senator Summers, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Um, I don't know if you were able to hear uh, the conversation with uh, Commissioner Delphin Rittman, uh, but what do you think needs to happen now that this uh, abuse scandal has uh, been publicized and we have a sheer number of state workers that not only were suspended, 31 suspended so far, but nine workers, state employees, uh, arrested and charged with cruelty? Well, you know, first I'd like to say that I, I feel that this entire situation at the Whiting Forensic is absolutely unacceptable and without precedent. Um, I find it shameful that the governor has actually not publicly addressed this scandal. And for me, these problems 
just did not happen in a vacuum. I heard uh, the tail end of the conversation uh, with the commissioner, and I have the utmost respect for the commissioner. However, um, the 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 line of this is not characteristic of the care that we provide, which was repeated, it clearly is characteristic because we had 31 people put on suspension. We had nine state employees who are charged with caring for those who can't care themselves that are really mentally incapacitated, abuse, and I think the word in the, um, the report was torment patients or clients. So if that's not systematic uh, abuse or a breakdown, I'm not sure what is. Um, I worked in healthcare my entire career. Um, if this is a hospital, I have never in all my days in 25 years seen a hospital operate in this manner. It is not equivalent to say this is a hospital. This is a facility that is locked it's a locked society, and within it, there are locked wings. No one comes in and out on a regular basis like they do in a regular hospital. And um, it seems clear from the reports and the arrests that this is a definite systematic problem, a complete failure and breakdown of those who are charged with caring for these patients, as well as the supervision, the training, upper management. This is something that needs to be looked at from the ground up. Um, and we need to, I've called for public hearings and public health because I think it's very important as the chairs of public health that we get to the bottom of this. This is one of the areas that's under our, our cognizance. And we need to have faith in the fact that people that are reprimanded to the state of Connecticut for care are given proper care. Um, the reason that I want to bring these hearings to the public is because I think the public deserves to hear what's going on. I've had many people come forward and talk to me about their experience at Whiting, whether they had worked there previously, whether they're working there now. Um, we need to find out where the breakdowns have occurred and how the department is going to be charged to make reforms and make sure that the security is there for the safety of the patients and the staff so something like this never happens again. Thank you. Uh, uh, it sounds like the, the attorney who called in, this is repeated mm -hmm. behavior, which is also very startling. Well, Senator uh, Summers, again, thank you for, for calling in. Again, you're co-chair of the Public Health Committee. As you said, you're calling for a public hearing uh, before the gen uh, General Assembly and, and the committee uh, related to this abuse scandal. I want to take a, a quick call now. Uh, Fred's calling from East Haddam. Uh, Fred, you're on the show. Hi. Um, I'd just like to express um, my opinion. I, I retired from Whiting about 10 years ago, and I'm quite familiar with the patient involved. And I just wanted to make a few comments. And <clears throat> One is that it's only one patient that's involved. Um, I think if the swath of patients was much broader, it would make for a more stronger argument. But I this patient, uh, through no means of his own, doesn't want people to like him, and uh, he does very dastardly things to the staff, and that's not mentioned. Another thing I want to mention is <clears throat> there's no support for the line staff. It's a... Uh, very violent environment and uh like for example weekly are given what's known as supervision they get to talk to, about their problems you know the psychiatrist in the facility get to express how they feel and all the tensions that um uh, problems they have with, like, existing on the unit and dealing with these people as I said, they've done dastardly things well the Fred staff has nothing available to them like that there's no way for them to vent their internal frustration. There's no way for them to process all the things they see and deal with on a daily basis, which can, I think, you know, erode people's um, psyche and persona on a 
grand scale. And, and Fred, it definitely, I think most people will agree it's a very difficult job, but it doesn't excuse these workers for abusing even if it's one patient, the fact that it happened uh, for weeks. But we appreciate your call, Fred. I wanted to go back to uh, Josh Kovner again, Hartford Current reporter who's been covering this abuse scandal extensively. Uh, Senator Summers said that uh, Governor Malloy has not come out to talk about uh, this particular scandal. Can you tell us what Governor Malloy has said, if anything? Well, he gave a um, res- very restrained comment, you know, that's upsetting. He wants to see justice done. I think he is a little constrained by the criminal investigation. Uh, but he hasn't. Uh, there are ways to address a scandal or a a, a uh, transgression without, um, you know, making the defense case for them. Uh, he could have been a little stronger, uh, perhaps maybe more than a little. Uh, Barbara's calling. Barbara, you're on the show. Hi. Um, thank you. And I want to tell you that I'm enraged and. Like physically ill by this entire thing. As a matter of fact, the Fred, the caller who used to work there, is just another symptom of the problem. I had um, an adult child, not in that actually wing, but in another part of the campus, and um, wrote many emails to the commissioner that were ignored. And then, you know, with problems that I was finding out, <sighs> and then um, was brushed off to an assistant. And then when they realized I wasn't going to go away because there's some of us out there that are strong family members and can actually speak uh, for those in there. And then sometimes they have families that aren't so strong or are absent. So when we won't go away, they invited me in and just talked in circles. And um, thank God my family member is no longer there. Uh, it wasn't in the actual waiting unit, but it was in another part of that same campus. Things would go missing. The way they were talked to was disparaging. Um, when I would see the um, first-line staff there, uh, they were very unprofessional, very unkempt. Uh, when the commissioner was asked about who the staff was there, she lists nurses, social workers, um, and she forgot to mention the staff there that are not educated. Um, So even as a person visiting, I witnessed myself how people were talked to. And then what's, what's the real crime here besides that physical torture they put people through? This, this took place last January that I was writing into the, um, the commissioner. So this has been happening for a long, long time. This is not new. It's not one patient. Um, cameras, I, I believe that lawyer that said the cameras were never on. I absolutely believe that. Well, Barbara, we, we appreciate you calling in, and we're sorry to hear about your experience, uh, but it's important to, uh, to hear uh, your story and many others. We thank you. I want to go back to, to Josh uh, Kovner. Uh, she mentioned something about uh, some of the workers not having the adequate training. What are the qualifications needed to work, again, within this very um, you know, the specific uh, division within the Connecticut Valley Hospital uh, because they're working with a, a certain population with very serious uh, needs. You want to have sensitivity to that population. You need to meet the job halfway at least or go drive a FedEx truck. Uh, they get training. They get takedown training, restraint training, uh, crisis management, de-escalation. Um, you can engage or not engage. Uh, let an hour go by. 
let you know put somebody in timeout. This guy was a difficult uh, patient. Uh, he did put some people out on comp. But it's a tough job. Uh, you can make some money at the job, um, so that can bolster you a little bit. You think about your paycheck as you're taking a breath, uh, thinking about dealing with these people thoughtfully. It's it's tough sitting in a a, a room watching somebody one on one, two on one. Then you get mandated to work another shift. I don't know how they do it. I don't know me. Hour fourteen, I'd be delirious. I'd be the, I'd put on the white coat at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, tough. Again, uh, this is where we live today. We're talking about a, a abuse scandal at Whiting Forensics Forensic Institute within uh, Connecticut's uh, State Psychiatric Hospital. In studio with me, Hartford Current Josh Kovner. Uh, you mentioned uh, our next guest, India Mills. Uh, she's a conservator for another woman uh, who spent uh, many years, many years institutionalized. Um, India, welcome to the show. Thank you, and thanks for having me. Just get a little closer to the microphone so we, we can make sure the listeners hear you, uh, India. Uh, we heard um, a caller say that it's important for these patients to have strong family advocates. Not all patients have that. You were able to be an advocate for your cousin. Tell us a little bit about her. Um, my cousin, Kim, and I were raised um, in public housing in New Haven. Uh, Kim is African-American. And um, she has been a victim of uh, rape. She was gang raped at the age of 10. She was placed in a children's psychiatric hospital at CVH called Riverview and spent approximately 33 years. She is currently committed to Connecticut Valley Hospital. 20 of those years... She was living on the same unit where this investigation surrounds as the sole female on an all-male unit. Kim never committed a crime, and yet and still she was placed with the criminally insane. I have been visiting Kim just as a family member throughout her stay at at Connecticut Valley Hospital. My visits increased in the latter part of the 90s. And I petitioned the courts to become her conservator in 2003. I mentioned earlier that Kim had never committed a crime. I would say that the only thing she's guilty of is being poor, black, and a rape victim who up until now has never received any therapeutic treatment, medication only, forced injections, four-point restraints, strip searches, body cavity searches, and yes, as her cousin and conservator, I filed many complaints. Hartford Current Josh Kovner has told uh, Kim's story um, uh, earlier this summer. Uh, Let's talk about this idea, this fact, uh, rather, that a woman who um, 
was uh, traumatized in this way at a young age uh, has been committed uh, into an institution at Whiting for, for many years, all male, Josh. How did that happen? Well, I think they thought it was, uh, Indy has been told, oh, that's the best place for her. She doesn't always get along with uh, other women patients, and she has uh, lashed out. The, you know, she has mental health issues. But it took India and um, some other people that she's brought in to, uh, in fact, there was a psychologist that India has worked with who went to Whiting, and I'm sorry, but she schooled a few people on Kim having cognitive difficulties, slow down when you talk to her, don't view a non-response as defiance because she's processing, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want to th- say that we're, we we have to coddle everybody twenty four seven. But Kim is civil commitment; she's not a criminal, um, or or not an acquitted uh, individual, and she is has the resiliency of I don't know what. She's still standing, still talking. When she was out, India had her over at her church. Her husband is a minister, and they have a real legit church and Kim would go there on Sundays and sing and say a Bible passage and then she devolves and ends up back in Whiting and they paid a lot of money to those outside caregivers even when she wasn't with them. They paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to this private nonprofit Mm -hmm. and now they say she's discharge ready. They've been saying that for a long time. Uh, also on the phone right now is uh, Lisa Vinson, attorney for India Mills, who, uh, who we just heard. Uh, India Mills' cousin, uh, Kim Wolfolk, is, uh, uh, has been institutionalized for, for in and out of 33 years uh, at CVH. Uh, Lisa, welcome to the show. Good morning. Uh, tell me about the, the lawsuit that uh, you filed against uh, Adema, specifically a Whiting Forensic Division, on behalf of India Mills. Sure. Um, the lawsuit that was filed on behalf of India Mills for her cousin was based on the period of time that Kim spent as the only woman on the all-male ward at Whiting, which ended in 2012. Um, Because of the statute of limitations, we were only permitted to sue for the three-year period um, at the end of that stay. And, you know, the basis of the suit is that in Connecticut, people who need to be hospitalized in this setting are entitled by law to be treated in a humane and dignified manner at all times. Um, I think to most people who hear this story, there is really nothing that could possibly be humane or dignified about placing a woman with a mental health condition, some cognitive deficits, and a history of gang rape on an all-male locked ward with what was described at trial as people who were considered to be the worst of the worst. Um, So we did file that suit, and for a couple of years, actually, we uh, were trying to reach an agreement. And unfortunately, there was no agreement. The Department of Mental Health and Addiction... um, and the Whiting Forensic Institute maintained 
that this was a perfectly uh, appropriate treatment plan for this woman. And, you know, to me, that's disturbing. We did put on a trial, and the judge found that because Whiting is classified as a hospital, that they are permitted to exercise judgments and make decisions up to and including the decision that this was a an appropriate place for Kim to be. This is where we live. On the phone with us, Lisa Vincent, attorney for India Mills, and uh, they are suing uh, the state, uh, specifically Whiting Forensic Division within Connecticut Valley Hospital, uh, for the fact that this woman, Kim Wolfrick, India Mills' cousin, uh, has been institutionalized uh, in an all-male ward uh, for a number of years. I believe she's been moved to a medium security unit while we're speaking now. Uh, but we're going to learn more, a little bit more about this story, and we want to actually get some reaction from a, a national advocacy group uh, when we come back after the break. In studio with us, Hartford Current, Josh Kovner, also India Mills. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. This is where we live. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. We've been talking about serious issues at Connecticut's only state psychiatric hospital, specifically the maximum security unit known as Whiting Forensic Institute. In studio with me, Josh Kovner, reporter for the Hartford Current, India Mills, a conservator and cousin of a woman, Kim Wolfolk, who's been uh, in- institutionalized for a number of years. And joining the conversation now with uh, Lisa Vincent, attorney for India Mills, is uh, Lewis Bossing, senior staff attorney at the Bazelon Center for Mental Health Law. Lewis, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. Thank you. We only have a few minutes, but when we, we're, we're shedding light on this particular story uh, in Connecticut, but from your perspective of an, as a national advocacy group, uh, why do states still continue to have uh, publicly run psychiatric hospitals like CVH? Well, it's a good question. Um, I was struck by something that the state senator who spoke earlier said, which was that um, the incidents at Whiting were without precedent. And, you know, as a matter of fact, nationally and in Connecticut, um, there's a lot of precedent for abusive behavior, for unsafe conditions in um, large uh, state-owned and operated institutions for people with disabilities. Um, you know, over the past 50 years, there has been a deinstitutionalization movement in this country um, prompted by the kinds of reports of abuses, uh, physical and other abuses um, perpetrated on um, residents of uh, these sorts of facilities. Um, I'd say that the response among advocates nationally has been to seek um, an expansion of capacity to serve people with psychiatric disabilities and other significant disabilities in the community. And, you know, as advocates have done that, um, we've learned and and mental health professionals have learned that um, outcomes for people uh, with psychiatric disabilities um, are generally far better in the communities, in the community when they are served in their own home with significant supports wrapped around them, with mobile crisis um, and assertive community treatment teams, and and those are approaches that are typically used all over the country in order to ensure 
um, that the person who has a disability can um, um, recover and um, maintain themselves safely in the community, um, that they have you know, less risk of cycling in and out of hospitals, cycling in and out of involvement with uh, criminal justice institutions, um, and that actually as, are, are safer because they are in the public, and <laughs> are that's, safer yeah. because they are out of the institution. And Lewis, that's um, something that our guest, India Mills, I believe, wants for her cousin. Kim, what do you want the outcome to be for your cousin, India? Um, my cousin is there um, at this point in time at no fault of her own, but due to an agency failure. Um, I've been told by the state medical director that... Um, she will be discharged once uh, the state's budget is known and they're able to uh, put some monies toward her transition back into the community. Um, that has not been put in writing. And over the years, um, I've learned that if it's not in writing, um, then it's it may not happen. What I would like to see for Kim is that she is discharged into the community and that the rest of her years is lived out uh, as the best of her years. Um, she has been abused in every sense of the word. She suffers from PTSD. Uh, Kim has um, been sexually abused inside of Whiting. Um, she has, it has been reported through outside doctors uh, when she was transitioned and discharged at one point that Kim has syphilis. Um, as well as being exposed to tuberculosis. Um, I want her free. I want her free from institutional living altogether. And India, I am, I'm so sorry we run out of time, but I'm, I'm happy that we were able to talk about your cousin and what she has endured. And we hope to follow up with you and your attorney, Lisa Vincent, in the future to find out if Kim is able to come back in the community. Thank you, India Mills. Thank you. Also, quickly to Louis Bossing, senior staff attorney at the Bazelon Center for Men Mental Health Law. Thank you for your perspective. And Josh Kovner, a reporter for the Hartford Current. You do excellent work. We appreciate you coming in. Thank the you. show produced today by Carmen Baskoff. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Thanks for listening.